Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who can't trust his own memory. It's Richard Herring. Wowza, thank you very much. Hello, my finest friends. Uh, Welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. You're much better than last week's audience and so on. Uh, I'm pretty tired. Uh, I had really sleep last night, so this is either going to be terrible or amazing. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, but they might be good. <laughs> uh, welcome to Richard Harry's Lesson Square Theatre Podcast. I was uh, talking to Mo from The Simpsons last week. Uh, he said, how do you get this number when I get my hands on you? Uh, he calls it Rallus to us. I don't know if that's going to catch on. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was on uh, Twitter for, you know, not for much longer, right? Am I right? And uh, or actually, it might have been uh, the... I want to call it Mammoth Mastodon. That's what it's called. Uh, and Jos Norris. Remember Jos Norris? He's been a guest before. He was Josin on. Josin his own Norris. Uh, and he was t- talking about how he uh, remembered... had a clear memory as a kid of uh, lightning shooting out of his own fingers. But it was a real memory that he has <laughs> that probably didn't happen. And I was thinking about that, and I've got a couple of memories that are very clear from my childhood that, looking back, probably didn't happen. I think this might be a good new emergency question. He's already given us the 
It was because of Jos Norris we did the one about the chrysalis, which is a great question. I should really just pay Jos Norris some money. I'm not going to. He's <laughs> a fucking idiot. Um, gives it away for free. Um, I remember going out into my garden in Cheddar at night time uh, and looking up in the sky and seeing Saturn like as big as the moon. I've got a very clear memory of it. And looking back, that probably didn't. And I don't know if, the, if anyone can look back and any astronomers in the audience look back and see if that happened. Around about 1977, I would say it would be. The event the Saturn never came that close. But I also remember, and this happened twice, and it might be some kind of trick, but if it was a trick, I don't know how she did it. On car journeys with my sister, she would get a pin and prick her leg and, like, blue blood would come out of it. And she said, I've got blue blood. And I really believe... I thought it was, like, the arterial, the vein blood or something at the time. I believed it. But I can't, that can't have happened, right? But I can't work out... I can't work out how she did it. Maybe I just made the whole thing up. So, anyway, that's, that's, that'll be an interesting uh, question. Uh, anyway, look, let's crack on. My guest this week, if he's out of the toilet... He was in the toilet at the start. Hopefully he's out. He uh, is probably best known for his appearance as boyfriend in Neighbours. I mean, that sounds... That sounds really... It's not as good as it sounds. <laughs> Please welcome the amazing Joe Lysett, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Joe Lysett. Come in. Sit down. I wasn't in Neighbours. You were in Neighbours... But it was by the guys from uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Oh, he caught me out there. I did. <laughs> He's good like that, isn't he? It's like being with Emily Maitlis, this. <laughs> Fuck, that makes me... <laughs> well, seeing you brought that up, I thought you might, given you the, the name of your... You wanted your show to be called, which may, we may come to later. Yeah. I've got uh, Prince Andrew No Sweat Sweatband <laughs> as, ah, as a gift for you. So so there, good. And I am go. quite sweaty, so... Yeah, so you can, can... I'm not sure I've ever been to... Which one? Which Pizza Express was it? <laughs> Woking. You probably Woking. have. I probably have. I do yeah. love a Pizza Express. <laughs> the garlic have. bread is second to none. <laughs> um, yeah, it was quite an arrogant uh, idea before... Uh, my dad wrote a porno. The, 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 my dad wrote a porno guys did a, a web series called Neighbours, which was quite arrogant, wasn't it, to try yeah. to take that? But rightly so. It look, is, yeah. To and I, I enjoyed being in it. Yeah. I remember it now. Because um, Alice Levine's an old friend, and she said, "Oh, will you do that? We're doing these little sketches." And um, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because I'd never acted really before. No. So that was my acting debut. Yeah. I've acted twice since. <laughs> so it went ever so well. <laughs> um, yeah. There'll be more acting. You're in a film coming up, aren't you? I thought I saw it. It was an animated voice. A voice in a... I haven't written it down. In, a, in an exciting... So these are the two other things film. that I've done acting, yeah. and they're both voice acting, so yeah. I don't know what that says. Uh, the first one is... I was in The Sandman. Right. And I'd completely forgotten I was in The Sandman <laughs> because it took literally ten minutes to do it. And on the way in, I walked past Adrian Child, <laughs> and uh, and he was having a bit of wine in Soho. Right. And I said, I don't know how long, long I'm going to be in there. And he said, Well, if you if you want to have a drink after the chat, you do your thing. <laughs> Took ten minutes. So I got absolutely shit faced with Adrian Child, <laughs> and then and then completely forgot about it. And the NDAs signed all over the place, that kind of thing. And then my PR emailed me and said, Oh, I've just had this email from Netflix saying that you're Sandman, that you're in the Sandman, and I was like. No, I'm fucking not. 
what? Maybe, well, I thought, oh, maybe they've got a clip of me doing stand-up on a telly or something. And I don't know. And then I went, oh, yeah, I was in the Sandman. <laughs> and then people kept texting me about it. So there's that. And then I also did, in lockdown, I was part of um, an animated comedy series in which I played uh, Graham the Talking Foreskin. <laughs> And Graham's, uh, Graham's the foreskin of a man called David, and he's fucking a woman called Helen, and my parents are called David and Helen. <laughs> so Is that's that why my you... acting career. <laughs> that's, that's why you took the role. <laughs> yeah. uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, look, I was watching uh, your special last night that was, you wanted to call it, different than it was called, yeah. but it's called More, 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 How'd You Lice It, How'd You Lice It, yeah. etc. Yes. You can go I'm in as a, long as you want. I'm in a run of doing things. Yes, you've basically. done a few. Is there tra- any... I've trapped myself in it, basically. Are there any, more, are there any that you have, have, have tried? I lice it, big butts, and I cannot lie. Have you done that I've one yet? I've not done that. I lice <laughs> it, big butts. It doesn't quite work. No, I no. Lice... <laughs> no, it won't be that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it shan't be that. Um, yeah, I, I probably will just keep with it, because yeah. I'm a, like... What else will I call it? What do you call your shows? It depends what they are. You know, I think I think of different. The R- problem with me R- is R- I don't R- have a I don't have a running theme through all my stand up. So you know no. that's why my career is going as badly. You're as You're the running theme. I am. Uh, I sort of am the running. Yeah. Theme. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I choose the title based on what the show's about. So the last show is called. The last show is called Oh Frig I'm Fifty. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. fifty. Yep. It's been, and I'm 55 now, so it's a while what since I've done do, one. When you did one, you were 40. What was that? Called Oh Fuck, I'm 40. Yeah. Do you want to know what the one I'm going to do when I'm 60 is called? Oh Shit, I'm 60. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have gone with shit myself. What would you have gone for? Cunt. <laughs> Probably. I might do that for 90, because it's, yeah. it's hard to think of something for 90. Oh, knickers, I'm 90. Yeah, that's no good. When you're 90, that's the sort of word you want to say. You don't want to be dropping the C bomb when you're 90, do you? Oh, cunt, I'm 90. <laughs> but no, I'm quite... <laughs> it's funnier, isn't it? Yeah, it is funnier, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite glad to get to 60, so I might call it, oh, good, I'm 60, because, you know, I thought I might die. Um, Can I ask I... you a question? Yeah. Right, so on the front cover of your book, you've got a quote from Richard Osman, yeah. Dawn French, Adam Kay. yeah. Are there other quotes in there? Do you have to email all of them and say, can I have a quote? I did for that one. And did they read it? Um... Because... <laughs> I think they might have gone with... here. That's quite easy to read that one, to be Yeah, honest. it is. It's not you long, only have it? to dip it's in. It's a lot of pictures, yeah. Yeah. And I do love the emergency questions. That's one of my favourite parts of this podcast. <laughs> but um, here's a confession. Adam Kay sent me a very early copy of the... Um, <laughs> Very good. This is going to hurt. Wrote, this is going to hurt. And I um, didn't read it. And then got round to picking a copy up in the airport on the way to a holiday a few years later and sat and read it and was like, fuck me, this is one of the best books I've ever read. And then they have the kind of praise for the book. And I was in there praising the book. And I. I'd completely forgotten. I'd just gone, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Why? And just <laughs> sent, sent it off. But it was so lucky because it is a brilliant, genuinely brilliant book. But I hadn't, re- I just hadn't read it. I think I'd read like the first chapter, and it's about some lad having his foreskin comes off or something. I think. I think it's, uh, there's a bit this where someone goes. Yeah, there's a bit when someone. It's worse horrible. than a foreskin, isn't it? I mean, he loses his penis on a lamppost. Yeah. And my daughter was. There. I think about it all the time. My daughter was trying to climb a lamppost horrible. the other day, and I said, "Don't do that because." Yeah. And then I said, I can't tell you why. <laughs> I don't want to tell you about it. It's, oh, God, yeah, it's, yeah, one it's of those... grim, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, he says he changes all the names and stuff in there, but if you're that guy, I think, yeah. I think you, you know yeah. it's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is a bit like the time. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> that rings a bell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Don't, j- don't jump on a lamppost. Particularly if it's pebble dashed. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> and the book is fantastic. <laughs> I'm on record. In the book, in the book, is saying it. Yeah. Well, I quite like it when you do it. People, David Mitchell just goes, "Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not doing it anymore," which is quite, I quite respect. Oh, well, but then I, he just says, "I won't." Yeah, send you I, a I quote. won't do it. Yeah. Uh, I think Charlie Brooker said something like, "Richard Herring keeps badgering me to leave a comment about great. this book." That's funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> which is great. Yeah. yeah. You just need something like that. Don't yeah. You? you do. But, I but does it? Set, does anyone look at it and goes, "Fucking hell!" Richard Osman said, "Brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> does anyone do that? Does anyone? No. Weird, no respect it? for Osman. I mean, I've got the names of two of the best-selling... And, and Dawn French as well. They're three, three of the best-selling authors. I suppose what they're going the for is, like, idiots... Yeah. ..that go, Richard Osman! <laughs> and Do then you... they don't realise that someone else has written the book. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's for proper idiots if they see the name on it. Yeah. They think it's written by that person. And famously, no. books are for idiots. <laughs> Anyway, never mind. Uh, anyway, look, I watched the show last night. You can Thank get you. it uh, at joelicet.com. Yeah, Netflix said no. <laughs> yeah, but that but it's probably good they said it's no. It's better, right? actually, yeah. Because you're selling it you £10 a time. £10 a whack. God, I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it is actually better because um, you retain all the rights to the thing, so yeah. you don't have to change any of it. You can make it exactly as you want. No-one's breathing it down your neck. and I'm, It's my favourite thing I've ever made in my life. I don't think I'll make anything better. I sort of... I'm scared of the future of particularly of writing stand-up because it, it was chance that the show ended up being what it is. And I'm being cryptic because I sort of don't want to give it away, but no. it's, um, it's, it's, the, the show's good, but like the story is sort of amazing yeah. and it's by accident. But so I, <laughs> kind of accident. I pushed in certain directions and what I got was way more amazing than I thought I'd get, basically. Yeah, well, it's, it's very funny and, it, and then it's uh, something sort of beautiful and, and yeah. you know, something about community and, uh, and love and it seems, it's a very positive show, I think. Yeah, really. yeah. So it's, it's, it's enjoyable to watch and also you go, oh, so it does feel like a, a sort of perfect stand-up show, I have to say, but that's not to say wow. that you can't do it again. I think you've got this thing now, and it's only th- three or four years since we last spoke to you. So much has happened to you in the last three or four years. Yeah. And the direction your career's gone in. And there's so many... Th- like, I just started writing down talking points. A few of them are in the, sh- in the show. But obviously, like, recently, you probably influenced the fall of the new Prime Minister. <laughs> at, at, right at this... Before she was even Prime Minister. Yeah. Someone made a meme of loads of dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> and the big domino is the fall of the complete collapse of the UK government. And then the little domino is, I'm incredibly right-wing and I loved it. <laughs> I was so proud of that. I, was really, I loved it. Um, but I'm a, still a huge Liz Truss <laughs> supporter. I should make that clear. Yeah. Um, what's weird about all that is that um, I genuinely decided to do that in the car on the way there. I hadn't planned it. And I think Brian Logan wrote in The Guardian about how I looked like I would, wasn't sure how it was going and that I'd just thrown it together. And I was like, very astute, Brian, well done. Because <laughs> um, I, I didn't, I hadn't... I, 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 I'd been booked for it weeks before and I thought it was weird. Yeah. It was, I thought it was a weird booking. I thought, you know what I'd do. Don't you? I, 
And then, and then uh, um, someone said, oh, that's just days before they announced the new prime minister and there's a chance that they'll be on there. And I thought, oh, they won't put me anywhere near them. And then they, they said, oh, um, the guests stay on set. And, then, and I was like, am I on, like, it's kind of Graham Norton? I'm going to be, like, <laughs> sat next to Liz Trusper. <laughs> and another thing. Like, I couldn't work out how... It, so I rang yeah. the producer the night before because I just wanted to get, like, a sense of the shape of the thing. And she was sat next to Laura Koonsberg. So Laura Koonsberg came on the phone, and she, I'd never spoken to her before, and she was really lovely and very sort of giggly and fun in a way that I'd not, I didn't expect her to be, because yeah. obviously on telly she's Laura Koonsberg. And, um, and I'm a huge fan of hers, and I think she's... I, I genuinely don't know what her political leanings are, and I think that's really impressive, and I know some people will say... <laughs> well, no, I don't! I don't! I mean, you laugh, but I sort of... I, Maybe Tory, but I, I actually, I actually couldn't tell you, and still don't after speaking to her. And um, and so I, I am, I do think she's uh, she's great. And so um, then in the car on the way there, I thought I'm not a political pundit. And friends of mine, and I've spoken to Jess Phillips because I'm good friends with Jess Phillips, and she said just say what you feel, and people will probably agree with you. And um, I just thought I'm not a, I, I don't do that. I'm not yeah. someone who comes on and says, well, my opinion is, and like I don't, I don't know what my opinion is. I don't give. Like I do, obviously do give a shit, but I don't. Um, I don't feel qualified to be there as some sort of learned political whatever. Yeah. But what I have done over the last few years is been sarcastic on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, well, I know how to do that. I, I've been tweeting all sorts of different people, Nadine Dorries mainly, but <laughs> lots of people pretending that I love them and being like, oh, babe, come round for a Lamborghini. Like I've been doing that for ages. So I can do that in real life easy, and I can sell that, and I can pretend to be it because I've done it confidently before. So I thought I'd go f- go for it. And then when she was when Liz Truss was speaking and she was not saying anything, <laughs> I was so cross. I found the like I really felt the anger growing in me. And when I get cross, I get silly. And so I thought, <laughs> like halfway through our interview, I thought it'd be funny to applaud this because <laughs> there's nothing to applaud. Like it's like. There's a friend of mine who, um, when he's watching theatre shows and, he, and there's shit and he's getting <laughs> bored, he'll, do, um, he'll either laugh at inappropriate points or at one point there was like a really awkward pause where some, I think someone had just died or something and it was like a pause where like, like the, someone was crying looking at it and he just went, line! <laughs> so good. Line! <laughs> really good. So um, it was not. It didn't warrant applause. It didn't warrant anything. It was vacuous, empty, usual politics stuff. And I was cross about it. And I thought, I'm never going to be in a room with this woman again. Probably, well, almost certainly now. And, um, <laughs> and I will go full throttle with how I feel about it, yeah. using sarcasm. And that's what I did. And I applauded. And then with, I can, I can feel the anger now, like that, that sort of like frustration in my shoulders, and I get tense, and I just think, Fuck it. and um, and so I use that anger to be like, I loved it, and like, <laughs> it, it, it sort of came out in that sort of stream of like, and then I watched Laura go, fuck, and she <laughs> she said afterwards that when I applauded, her heart sank, <laughs> and then she sort of worked out what I was doing, and she was okay with it, and um, uh. And then, uh, yeah, and then, I, and then she stopped asking me questions for a bit, and I thought, <laughs> I've fucked this, I'm, I'm just going to sit here saying nothing. It's been like eight out of ten cats the first time I did it again. <laughs> One thing in the edit. And then, um, and then she asked me another question, and I was like, right, I'm off again, here we go. And then, and then, and then people liked it, and that was yeah. it, really. Um, and did you, see her, did you see Liz Truss after, the, after it was no, over? No, she scarpered. Yeah. Um, 
we, you then go for this weird breakfast in, B, in the BBC, which is like being in a school canteen. It's a bizarre... It was a canteen. Yeah. And it was, I was sat here, Laura Koonsberg was there, Emily Thornbury was there, and Cleo Watson, who'd also been on. And then next to Liz Truss... Uh, not Liz Truss, um, Laura Koonsberg, was Rishi Sunak. And... <laughs> And then the, I think the, um, the not the director general, but the, like the one higher than him at the BBC, who's I don't know what his name is. Yeah, um, I didn't know there was anyone. The yeah, Uber. he's very like hello, old boy. <laughs> um, he's like that. Nice. Seemed like a nice bloke. I met him in the lift. Um, please continue to work with me. Um, uh, but I didn't look Rishi Sunak in the eye because I knew I, did, I wasn't confident that I wouldn't embarrass myself with anger and and do something like just in a panic to scratch him or something. I don't, so yeah. I just. Um, so I just made a point of not looking at him and um, had, had some porridge and fucked off. That was it, really. um, but I, I was chatting to Laura Koonsberg and she'd said then, she was saying, oh, you know, we're trying to get people on that are a bit different and, you know, we'd love to have you back on the show. And, um, uh, you know, we're trying to have semi-regulars and all of that. And then it ended up on the front page of the Daily Mail and I haven't heard back since. So. <laughs> I don't think they'll have you back on. It is a weird thing when those worlds collide. I did this week and I had a very horrible time on it, but Nigel Farage was on... Before me, and like, so I was what in. What do you do? That's a, I was it feels in the like gr- such a responsibility uh, when there's someone like that in front of you, and you get, what should I? He keeps asking to get me on his show. Does he? He was in the green room with me, and I couldn't look, I just couldn't look at him, I didn't say anything to him. Yeah. Because it's recorded like, it's live late at night. Yeah. So about half past 12, I found myself walking down a dark corridor with Nigel Farage in front of me and nobody else around. Fuck. <laughs> but this is the thing, you could change the course of human exactly. history. Yeah. It was crazy. But, uh, but not yeah. even, like, doing anything, just, like, slightly nudging him. <laughs> You'll have the butterfly effect of... Yeah. He'll go, oh, I was nudged and I feel sad about that. <laughs> suddenly I feel empathy. And, and then anything could... You yeah. know, I don't know. Yeah. I could make him hate white people. <laughs> like all us wokey folk do. <laughs> so, look, there was that. That was pretty incredible. Uh, but, like, there's, there's been... I mean, there's, there's too much... To, there's too much to talk. I'm not, I can't even talk to you. There's too much to talk about. Um, right. It's too much. I can't. I can't talk. There's literally too much. There's no. I, similarly to me, you've had a go at uh, Alan Sugar on yeah. on Twitter, which I which well, I very much enjoy. But also, you've you've been you've, what you've, a fucking lunatic he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always just thought he, he, he. There's something inherently funny about him, anyway. Yeah. And he's super rich, so I don't give a shit. You know, it's what, he's one of those, like, easy target. But then in lockdown, he just made it so much easier <laughs> because he was just so mad and so, like, everyone back to work, you know, just so... <laughs> and, um, and then I... T- I can't even remember what I tweeted him now. It's in the show. I tweeted something at him, and he replied, um, calling me a... something. A prick. He, he, prick. What he, he, he prick, swears. What he, say, what he does, he puts the first three letters of a swear. He won't swear. Yes. So he put P-R-I mm. dot, dot, dot and allowed you to fill in the That's it. He called me blank. a double-barrelled pr. <laughs> yeah. And I still don't know what that is. I don't is. know why you dub- the double barrel came yeah. from. But again, like when something like that happens... It's such a thrill. <laughs> like, it's such a... Yeah, so... Um, I, I mean, he blocks people that. pretty easily. I'm, I, he's never blocked me, and I've just treaded the line between yeah. being incredibly rude to him and sarcastically yeah. appreciating what Good. he does. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Do you tweet him... Well, for a long time, I went through a period... He would always put this... Occasionally, he would put football scores up. And so I, like, as if there was nowhere else to get them. <laughs> yeah. So I would retweet them to Ooh. say, look, this... 
I'm doing a valuable service on Twitter. I retweet the football scores from Lodzicka. But one time, he, I think he got the, she just got the, one of the scores wrong. He just made something up and then didn't tweet for ages. <laughs> and it was, like, really bizarre. I think I've asked him... I, the only time he replied to me, I asked him whether he, th- uh, whether he thought the, the host of The Apprentice might become the Prime Minister in uh, England as well as the mm, president. Yeah. And he, he, was, he was said no to that. Yes. But he does seem... I think, like, a, ten years ago, I think he had some self-awareness and oh, he's lost a sense it, yeah. of humour, but he's absolutely lost his mind. Well, r- really recently, he has been, like... If people sort of... Because he's been posting shots of him on yachts and yeah. next to new planes and all that sort of stuff and people have tweeted him saying it's a bit much to sort of show <laughs> off about your new yacht in a cost of living crisis and he will reply with something like you're jealous fuck off <laughs> which actually thinking about it, it's so camp I kind of love it <laughs> yeah now I don't know what I think about him <laughs> I mean, The Apprentice has been quite a force for evil in the world, with one thing or another. Katie mm. Hopkins, Dave, Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and What's been good about it? Um, it's good fun, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's good fun watching people fail to, to, to do Yeah, it's basic a good watch. Do- it is a good watch. There's good numbers for BBC One. They must be thrilled. Must do, must do. Um, in the show, you uh, talk about uh, the Birmingham Live, I think was it the Birmingham Mail or something, always... Mm. Does lots of headlines about you. There's one that you skip over that you don't say anything about that I want to know more about. Oh, yeah, go for it. A headline in the Birmingham Live. Uh, Joe Lysett still writes to Santa each year. <laughs> do you, yeah, I do. Do you still do that? Because Santa's... You have to write to Santa. Yeah. Because otherwise he won't get what... He won't know. How will he know? That's true. Well, he's mad. He if he can get round the world and give everyone presents, he can know what you want, can't he? If he's, no, if he's that magic. No, you have to write That's the rules. Okay. Still, because he can't mind trees. And does he? Do, you, do the presents turn up that you asked for? Absolutely. Okay, well, do, that's yeah. good. So yeah, you've been a good boy. My mum told me um, <laughs> I, at one point I was foolish and I queried his existence. <laughs> and she said, "No, you, he exists, and you have to write to him every year, otherwise you won't get what you want." And that continues to this day. <laughs> yeah. My daughter, who's seven yeah. uh, and nearly eight has just got to the point where she's nearly questioning it, but she's sort of like, with everything goes, there's no, there's no such thing as ghosts, there's no such thing as zombies, except she knows about there's some ant or something that goes into the brain of another ant, and is, so there's a zombie ant, so she's aware of this. Wow. That controls it, gets into, or some kind of other insect that gets into an ant's brain and controls the ant. But she's still fairly confident there's a Father Christmas, but she does ask quite good questions. That's about so about silly. about why how he manages to do all of yeah. this stuff and wh- and whether he visits everyone and how long he's been going and how he started. Uh, her theory is that <laughs> Father <he> start? <laughs> her, theory, right. her theory is that Father Christmas and Jesus are the same person. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> that's it. Now that would be a great twist. wouldn't it? <laughs> it makes sense. It does make sense because you know it's quite the first couple of Christmases must have been weird, right? What, the as first, Jesus? Well, well the, as Father... Whoever it was, Father Christmas just turning up with presents, going, what the fuck? What's going on? <laughs> who are you and why are you doing this? <laughs> it's a good PR stunt for Jesus, right? Yeah. Get, every, get everyone talking about Jesus every year. And how did we find out what he wanted in terms of the carrots and the mint pie <laughs> yes. and the whiskey? Like... Trial and error, I guess. Yeah. Just like you'd li- people would leave, like, 20 or 30 different food items. Yeah. Then just correspond with Whittle he ate. They, they ate a bit of apple. Yes. He had the mince pie. <laughs> I made him a cough pot. <laughs> <even> that's it. 
Yeah. And he eats different things in different countries. So, like, he obviously goes through a period, he's had enough cookies yeah. in America, and then he, so he moves over to mince pies here. Of course. Yeah. What does he have in other countries? I don't Do know. You know? I imagine does anyone it. know in the audience? What does he have in Slovakia? <laughs> Fre- what do the French give him? Something horrible, I expect. Yeah. Fr- some part of an animal. It's going to be an unpopular theory uh, for the French, particularly. I host a show called Travel Man. Yes. I've now done... I've now recorded, I think, 13, 14 episodes. Five have gone out. And uh, I've been to France a couple of times. I love a croissant. France is shit at croissants. (laughs) I've had better croissants in Salzburg, in Rio, (laughs) in... Uh, Cyprus did a better croissant. They do a better one in Birmingham. What are they getting wrong in France? (laughs) Well, it's very controversial. Very controversial. Should save that one for the Graham Norton Red Chair, shouldn't I? (laughs) God, that that was a good one, wasn't it? (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, you have the Lord Mayor of Birmingham opened your kitchen extension. Yeah. <laughs> Yvonne Mosquito, that's her name. I mean, it's great. Her name, Yvonne Mosquito. Is that why you wanted her? Because of that fantastic no. name? I just thought it would be fun. I saw um, a plaque somewhere, and I had my kitchen done at the same time, and I thought it would be fun to have a plaque on the kitchen just for a laugh, just to like, have a little party. And um, so I emailed the Lord Mayor of Birmingham because I thought <laughs> that would be funny just as a funny thing to do. And didn't, and didn't think she'd say yes, and then I thought I'd sort of get down to... I mean, Paul Chuckle said he was up for it before I'd even <laughs> sent the email. And then her, what happened was the email came back saying... It was from her assistant saying, oh, no, because she doesn't do private events, but she wishes you well with your opening of your kitchen extension. <laughs> and I was like, ah, so there's a reason. She's not just said, no, she won't do it. There's a, re- like, there's a loophole... So, um, so I then said, well, if it was public, would that change things? And I could sell tickets 
for the public to come and we could give the money to charity. I know the Lord Mayor has a charity and all this stuff. And she said, yeah, she said, yeah. <laughs> so we set up this system where um, there was an auction, not an auction, a, raff, a raffle, basically, where people could spend, I think it was three quid, you buy a ticket and you might be one of the people, but you had to agree that you'd be met in a nearby pub where I'd buy you a drink of your choice, then you would have your phone taken off you so you couldn't find your way to my house <laughs> using the whatever, you couldn't track it, and then you'd be blindfolded and driven by either... <laughs> Either my mum or dad yeah. would drive you <laughs> to the house. You'd then be, the blindfold would be taken off in the house. There were canapes or all sorts, you know, <laughs> drinks as much as you like. And then after two or three hours, you'd be re-blindfolded and taken back to so Birmingham sweet. train station. Yeah. And um, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she turned up in the mayoral car. Yeah. Did you make her be blindfolded or did you let her know where she lived? I should have done that. Would have been. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think at any point the people who'd won this competition thought, I wonder if this really is Joe Lyster's house? <laughs> <laughs> I've just been yeah, kidnapped yeah. by Al-Qaeda. Yeah, yeah. No, they were very brave. Okay, that's very fine. brave, all of them. Um, it was great fun. It was really yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And now I've got a plaque on my kitchen. Yeah. And she brought me the thing that they only give to people if they've opened something. So <laughs> the mayoral plaque is on the inside of the kit. My plaque that I had done in Birmingham is on the outside, and then her mayoral plaque is on the inside. <laughs> and literally, it's, I would say, a third of the size of this stage. It's a, it's a tiny little kitchen extension. Yeah. Great fun. It, it, was, it is very... It's lovely fun. Um, also, another big news story that's happened since... Uh, I think, again, from your recent tour, um, one of the people in the audience who saw your show called the police and oh, asked yeah, you to be fun. arrested yeah. for a joke. yeah. <laughs> it's not in the recorded show. No, because, I looked out for it because yeah, it's about. It's not in there actually. Um, well, you don't want to get sent to prison, Joe. Well, it was on the fence, and it was going to go to I think a KC or a QC to decide whether it would be signed off to be. I recorded it on the night, but we didn't put it in because uh, the joke is, and it's not a joke really. It's well, it is a joke. It's I think it's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever done actually. <laughs> what I, I'm talking about me being camp. Yeah. Uh, a, uh, and, and I say, oh, actually, I've always been camp. And I discovered this because when I was... Um, uh, I found this footage of me when I was a little boy, and I'm very camp in it. And I'm going to show it to you, and I say that to the audience. But for some reason, when I was a little boy, I just didn't have clothes on. This I was six or seven or something. I was about seven years old, and um, I just was naked in this clip. And I checked with a lawyer, and the lawyer said, you can't show that clip in your show because you can't show a child's penis in your show. Okay. And I... Was said, but it's my penis and I don't mind, so it's fine. And, <laughs> and the lawyer said, you just can't do it. I'm afraid it doesn't matter whose it is, you just can't do it. And I said, can you show an adult's penis? And he said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and so... Um, <laughs> so I paid an animator <laughs> to put a huge adult cock on my child's body... And it flaps around, and it's, it's so funny. I cannot, like... I died laughing when it arrived, <laughs> when it came in. And that's, the, that's it, basically. And so I did the show in Belfast. <laughs> I did the show in Belfast, and apparently it was an off-duty police officer, I think, okay. um, was watching the show and immediately got up, walked out, and, and called it into the... Um, uh, Whatever you call to the, the station, the, the adult station. cock on the kid's body yeah. department. 
basically <laughs> said that <laughs> I was showing child born of myself uh, with a like, uh, in the show. And um, so then the next morning I was rung and they said they wanted to see the footage. And I said, I laughed loads. And then I said, can I film you watching it? <laughs> And then they said, just send it to us with a, like, a kind of statement of intent, basically. <laughs> I was like, jokes? I don't know. And, um, and then it went quiet for a bit, and then they said, no crime's been committed, and you're absolutely fine, and have a great show tonight. And that was it. Yeah. So, um, but again, Nigel Farage um, su- supported me in that. Did he? Yeah. Not knowing what the clip was, he still does it to this day. He was like, it's disgusting that Joe Lyson was being cancelled for a joke. <laughs> That whole thing sort of flipped around. So like 30 or 40 years ago, it was very much the right-wing people were saying, you can't joke about this and you can't joke about that. Yeah. And now it's sort of gone the other way around where it's left-wing people saying, not entirely necessarily in this case, uh, but right-wing people saying, yes, freedom of speech. Yeah. <laughs> Say whatever you want. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I feel like, I, I don't care if people make jokes about anything, really. No. I, I, I think it's up to you if you want to laugh at them or not, but... Um, I'm, I'm definitely not of the school of telling people they can't say things. I think it's good, better the devil you know. Yeah. So I'm not, I, I, I'm not calling for that, and I wouldn't call for people to not um, tell jokes. But like most comedians, and I think nearly all comedians, they think very, and even the ones who do the very risque stuff, probably them more than anyone, you think very hard about what, why you're doing stuff and, and, and whether exactly. it's worth it. Yeah, exactly and, you know, that, so. yeah. And I definitely, and I had emails from people who came to early shows that I trust who sort of said, are you sure about having that joke in the show? Do you think it's, you know, are you willing to have the backlash of that? Like, I'd had a bit of warning about it. Yeah. But it's so funny. (laughs) And, yeah, you know, like, anyone who doesn't get that for what it is. And that's one of the points I made to the police was that, like, I've done this show to tens of thousands of people now and not one complaint. Nobody's emailed me. We've had nothing, like... Yeah. This is this is a freak occurrence, I think, of you know not quite getting the spirit of the thing, and it's me bouncing around. It's not like it's not fucking porn. It's like you know, it's just me as a little boy with a huge carpet. <laughs> it's, like, it's just silly. It's really silly and playful. Yeah. Like that's you know that's the but it, but it, I understand why it kind of it's it's funny because it's conflicting because it does sort of. It, you know there's nothing, uh, inherently there's nothing wrong with it, but it feels like there's something wrong with it. I understand, and that's why it's funny, and that's why it's sort of on the line. But I don't, yeah, I'm, I don't, I, I, I know that there are people and there are uh, comics who say, well, you can't joke about that, you can't say that. I don't agree, and I think you can joke about anything, and it's just got to be a good enough joke, yeah. really. And, you've, and, it, and if it's good enough for the audience that you're doing it in front of and they laugh, sort of fine. I think... You know, the, I, I really think if you start stopping people telling jokes, then um, you're, it gets really messy because who's deciding that and who makes the decision about what jokes can be made about whatever and fine. Well, and they get to a point where someone's got a list of things that you can and can't do, and there's no nuance yeah, within exactly, what, yeah. whether you're playing around with that yeah. or whether you know. So yeah, it's really... and some, yeah sometimes a joke. I think the stuff about blackface was very interesting because I I would generally go yeah that's terrible that shouldn't have happened yeah but but things got caught up in that that were things where people were either making a point that blackface is wrong or just like playing around with knowing that exactly, no, yeah. knowingly playing around you just with don't it. know intention yeah. and you don't know you know I've been sarcastic or attempting at sarcasm for a long time and I've in, in old stand-up, I watch old stand-up of mine now and I go oh it's not clear that you were trying to be sarcastic there and actually. 
it looks like maybe you're being homophobic, weirdly, in that moment. <laughs> and like, it's, uh, it, my skills weren't as good as they are now, and I hope to get better as a comic. And you, there has to be some space for play and to get it wrong. And, yeah. Um, I, think that, I think there are people, there are comics who are incredibly talented, who are uber-famous, making kajillions, have Netflix specials, all of that, who are using their skill and their power which I know because it's taken me fucking ages and I'm not even close to the level of skill that other people I'm talking about. I, I know how hard it is to get that good and they're using it for things that seem strange to me. Yeah. I, don't, I won't stop them doing it, go for it, but I don't see why because there's so many things you could jab at that deserve it better than what they're jabbing at. Yeah, no. So go for it, like whatever, do you do you, do you but I... I I don't get it. I don't see why you would. No. What a waste of that talent and that energy and that skill. Yeah, and everything's going to, you know, like, so, for example, with the Liz Trust thing, like, people were tweeting you saying, you've lost a fan. I didn't know you were right-wing now. You've yeah. lost a <laughs> fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, can't, you can never predict what people will get and won't get, and nearly any joke was somewhere, someone somewhere will tweet you and complain about almost yeah. any joke, but it'd be one person. I've got a friend who's a really close friend and she's autistic and she doesn't understand sarcasm. She just doesn't, she doesn't, it doesn't, she can't quite work out. She just takes it literally. Yeah. And there's no, like, she'll go, oh, why have you said that? And, <laughs> oh, that's me being, and she'll go, oh, I see. And yeah. she just can't read it. So I have to sometimes forget that I have to tell her that I'm being sarcastic and that's my entire personality. So it's <laughs> yes. quite, but, um, so, so I give people, when I see someone tweet me back and I've been sarcastic on a tweet and they don't get it, I give them the benefit of the doubt. But most of the time, they're just thick as shit. <laughs> right, another big influence on the news from Joe Leist in the yeah. last two or three years. Uh, you convinced the members of the Conservative Party that the Sue Gray report that you'd released... Oh, yeah. Fuck, was... I've done loads. Of <laughs> You've done so many I things. what I've done, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was funny. <laughs> Maybe they're autistic. <laughs> Um, yeah, that wasn't a pl- that wasn't the plan with that no, one. No, of course. That's what really surprised me about that, and it came in a flurry of people of Tories getting sarcasm wrong. Because <laughs> the day before, I tweeted to Boris. I got into a habit of tweeting Boris after PMQs again because I got so cross. Um, the lies, the way he lied so confidently, and and then it was just fine, and no one could wriggle around. It was it infuriated me, and so I would then, because that's all I can do, is just tweet saying, "Well done, smashed it, babe." Whatever, <laughs> whatever it was, and um, and on that occasion, I'd said something along the lines of, um, "I'm with Nadine. I'm on your side, no matter what." <laughs> and she fucking retweeted it. <laughs> And then unretweeted it within like a minute or two. Right. And uh, I missed it. I didn't see it. But then a reporter at Joe, I think they're called. There's yes, a yeah, political yeah. thing called Joe.co.uk. Um, spotted that when, when MPs delete a tweet, it's logged that they've deleted the tweet and it's sort of tweet saying they've deleted it. Spotted that and posted about it. And I, I, was, I had a few pints, and I saw it when I was walking home, and I just laughed so much. <laughs> so that happened literally the night before, and then the next morning, there was this, all the Sue Gray stuff was going on, and people were desperate for the report. And I just thought it'd be funny to write some like a joke version of it. That was literally it. And it was so silly. It was really silly, but presented with the logo and all of that. You know, yeah. So I sort of made it look proper. But like you only had to read 
couple of lines down and you're like, this is crap, isn't it? <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, it's got a few retweets because it's silly and people like that on Twitter. And then, and then I got a, a message on Instagram and my DMs from someone saying that they work in Parliament for the Conservatives and um, it was read out as a, as a real thing and it, th- there were panicked, like, people ringing MPs and... And I dug down, she, she's from Birmingham, this um, girl who will remain nameless. I actually can't remember her name, which is helpful, because I um, <laughs> can't reveal my source, but she basically said, just don't tell anyone who I am. And they believed that the report was real. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it is sort of indicative of what the world has become, in the, yeah. you know, that it's impossible to tell comedy from reality <laughs> yeah, at yeah. the moment. Yeah, yeah, it is, it's... Um, it's funny and then terrifying, isn't yeah. it, really? Um, mainly funny for me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, all of it, I was sort of looking at it going, sorry, what? And I was just sort of baffled by the whole thing, then d- delighted by it, because obviously, <laughs> like, you know, I sort of thrive on that watching. The, yeah. And the fact that something I've done is being, it has been used to jab at them in any way, great. And then, and that, actually, I don't talk about that in the stand-up show, but at the time, I was... Um, the, the reason I was invested in the Sue Gray report was because... Basically, my best friend had died at the start of lockdown. He'd been in... Um, he'd had a, a terrible... Um, he'd had cancer for years and um, kind of went out slowly and I'd been there as a sort of part-time carer for a little bit of it. And uh, I agreed towards the end of his life that I wouldn't see him because I was working at the same time and uh, his widow um, didn't want him didn't want the situation he was at home, didn't want the situation that I would bring COVID into the house and then that she could, she would get COVID and then that the authorities would take him away and he'd die alone. And I thought that was completely reasonable. And I'd said everything I wanted to say to him and I loved him. And actually, funnily enough, the last time I was at this podcast, he was literally sat in the front row. And um, uh, I'd done everything that I wanted to in terms of telling him that. And so I didn't see him again. And I lost him. And I didn't get to say goodbye properly. I mean, my dad said everything that I wanted to. I was cross about that. Yeah. Well, I haven't cried about him for ages. That's <laughs> no, man, it's good, absolutely. Well, but that's not. It's nice of a good cry. Isn't it, it is, but also that's what this is. This this is what it's all about. Yeah, this I was is cross. What, this is what's getting buried with the Matt Hancock thing at the moment. Yeah, it's just. But this is the thing that people go. Oh, he was having an affair. No, all no, these people exactly, died, yeah. man. This and then we did a funeral, and I had to drive. His kids live in Birmingham, so I drove his kids from Birmingham to the funeral, and I been very like I'd, I've been a stickler to, for the rules because people have been saying oh we should have a party afterwards and we'll just do it privately and I was like no because if his kids get it we didn't know what the disease would do at that point if his kids get it and they die that's the worst thing I could like his I can't do that to him and all that and so I was really stuck by the rules I did everything by the rules I made sure I you know I really did it properly and then they didn't and they lied and they continue to lie and they continue to treat it like it's okay. And I'm furious about it. I yeah. can't be more angry about anything. And um, they're still in power and they're still the people that rule us and they, and they say, oh, get over it. And it's all like old news now. And I just think I'm one of hundreds of thousands of people who are cross in this way. Yeah. And I should get over it at some point, and I will. And I actually don't. Day to day, I don't give a shit about it, really. But I know I don't trust them, and I know I don't think they should be in power. They, don't, they shouldn't be anywhere near any authority whatsoever. <laughs> but what I would say 
is I'm, I'm very right-wing and I loved it. And I loved it. But I guess, you know, this is, but this is the power of... And this is why this show's powerful, I think, and this is why you're increasingly... And I think in the last four or five years, your stuff has kind of gone to another level, How right? How the fuck do you do this? You're better than anyone at interviewing people. No one's got this out of me. I don't know how you've managed but it's, it. But it's got to this level because this show, right, so without... Again, I'm not going to give away what happens in it. But you take like a, a petty grievance of your own that is that is that you it reflects on you sort of come, comedically badly that you yeah. wanted to sell you wanted to prove your house was worth as much as you paid to it to an estate agent that you didn't like right so there, there's a petty thing in there but there's all it's also driven by genuine anger and pain but you turn it into extremely funny comedy so the, yeah, you're, you're well. annoyed about a. Uh, a state agent, uh, and a state agent, but also an MP who's trying yeah, oh, to yes. trying to ban, yeah, or, not, or you know, trying to stop kids seeing uh, books about kids with uh, you know two yeah. dads. Yeah, Roger things. Godsiff, who is my local MP and a Labour MP, and he, you know, I give him both barrels in the show, so I'm, you know, I'm very balanced. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, he's he's sort of been a bit of a kind of bugbear for me for ages because he. Uh, was my MP for most of my life because he was in one of those safe seats so he just didn't do anything basically he was just happy to be in his seat and then weirdly had this real homophobic streak to him which is so bizarre and was so against the the party (laughs) were like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) um, but yeah he you know there were protests and uh, uh, against the education of kids in schools about literally about kids uh, about people having mums and mummies and mummies and daddies and daddies and um non you know mum and dad families essentially and it wasn't to do with sex at all the books weren't anything to do with any of that and he um he said that the protesters were right and he was on their side and so i just thought i'm having you (laughs) (laughs) and you do you i love that you brought out your own uh book of that was teaching kids about sex it's called a is for anal yes (laughs) uh Full colour, illustrated <laughs> by yours truly, yeah. B is for balls. Yeah. yeah. It gets harder as the book goes on. <laughs> I haven't worked out what Z is for yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> so, again, but that's, you know, it, it, moving into comedy. And, and in the show, in the show, there's a lot, and, and in the work you're doing, I guess, on uh, Joe Lice's Got Your Back and all that sort of stuff, there's a lot of, you're doing a lot of stunts and a lot, you're yeah. tr- but it feels like you're trying... <clears throat> A lot of things out, yeah, and that maybe some of them don't we don't hear about, and some of them don't work because it because yeah. well, you couldn't predict how well this this the one in this show works so well. No, I comes had together a few, so well. I had a few. Uh, well, no, I had two irons in fires for this stand-up show, yeah, and the other one yeah, completely fell by the wayside. And I had some. I I thought it was there was some good stuff to it, but it just died. And when it doesn't have an end, there's no point. Like you can't start the story. Um, but yeah, this one. This one, uh, yeah, I thought I'd get some. I thought I'd get ten minutes out of it, and I could end the show with it. Really, I thought that's yeah. what would happen, and then it just became a lot more than that. Really, yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, and, and equally, I want people to be able to enjoy it in the show, so we won't talk about it uh, anymore. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you it, you know, you, there's a few things you've done. I mean, you did the oil advert, the, the anti anti BP. Was it BP? Oh, yeah, Shell? No, Shell. Shell yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was very memorable <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. and quite grotesque. Yeah. Well, that, see, that's an example of um, 
some t- like taking on someone like Shell, you go into it knowing you're going to have no effect. Essentially, you you know that you're there's nothing you can do, and if anything happens, that's a bonus. So the only thing you can do is sort of jab at them and and make them look silly as silly as you can, really, because. Yeah. You're never going to get a response from them. To, you're never going to get at the table with them. Basically, they'll never come near me. And so, um, it was shock factor really with that. And yeah. yeah, I made a made a advert of the CEO Ben Van Burden. I played Ben Van Burden. <laughs> um, basically, almost shot for shot, the way that he does his adverts, talking about how great Shell are and how they, you know, um, are very green and how they're the solution to the problem. But uh, while he's saying that, he's also shitting out of his mouth. <laughs> and that, it's, a, it's a real, like, you know, sort of shock factor. It's horrible to watch. It was horrible to film. I bet. Uh, it was quite funny at points, but it was mainly just <laughs> gross because I had a mouthful of, you know, yeah. black bean sauce at one point. Um, but, it, yeah, it did good numbers and people remembered it. So, yeah, yeah it sort of, it did, it had some sort of effect and it pops up again whenever he talks. Like, I'll get, <laughs> people reply to his tweet with a shot of me shitting out my mouth. So that's, I'm happy with that, really. I think it's great. When any of those things, like, stick, which obviously some feces would do. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, that's great. It, it, is, it, it is the sort of power of Saturday. It is sort of, there's a sort of Swiftian element to that because it's so grotesque and yeah, yeah. so horrific. And that it, but it's so memorable. Yeah. Um, well, it sort of had to be. I was thinking, you know, we're thinking around how do you... How do you get at a company like Shell? How do you piss them off? Yeah. And they're so powerful and there's so much wealth there and they're so litigious that the only thing you can do is sort of go low in sort of in the way that people will go, fucking, I'll retweet that because it's mad. And that's yeah. sort of what I did. But there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of it's just mischief, right? A lot of it's, and, and what I like about it, I've sort of been talking about this recently and now Jeff Bezos has actually come out saying he's giving all his money away what i don't understand about people who have made enough money that they're you know they're never going to run out of money yeah why they don't like a spend it on helping people (laughs) but b why don't they just do a load of crazy stuff like building things that would help people, but also yeah just do nutty stuff have you seen the um there's jeff bezos uh, supposedly he's got hundreds of billions yeah supposedly it would cost less than a billion to solve world hunger i think it is or around a billion it's a few hundred million and there's a Twitter account that is automated that every day says, Jeff Bezos has decided not to end World <laughs> But you'd think you'd do that. But you'd think, you know, it feels like with you, you've, you know, you're doing well, your career's doing very well. You've obviously made enough to buy a nice house in Birmingham. And, you know... <laughs> I mean, you know, it's still in Birmingham. Uh, <laughs> it's a true story. It's a four-bed, yep. 280 grand. Wow. And I overpaid. <laughs> you did overpay. I'm moving to Birmingham. That was like eight years ago. Yeah. But still, like, what do you get for 280 grand in London? Nothing. That, that fucking table. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's sort of... You're, you're using your time and your, and your money, presumably a little bit, because some of these things will cost you a little bit of money. Mm. And the, I'm exposed with the TV show with the team of people you have behind you as well. So there's, there's people helping with some of this, I'm guessing. Yes. But it's, it's sort of fun to just use the world as your playground, it seems, it seems to me. And so if it's driven by something genuine and some genuine anger, that's, it's a great way of doing it. If it's just driven by... The desire to go. Oh, I just want to have, do something silly and see what happens. Well, there's a lot of YouTubers doing similar stuff. Yeah, but uh, invariably they don't have like a reason for doing it other no. than it 
is probably funny and and there's no I, I, funny is a good enough reason as any um i just get cross about more than most i suppose and i feel like well how can i I'm, and i am genuinely petty so i think <laughs> this person has annoyed me or this thing and 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 the target has just become bigger i suppose you know it started off at people who are give me a parking fine and now it's liz truss you know, it's like, <laughs> or rishi sunak it's sort of just um i've been emboldened by the reaction to uh, other ones and it will probably end badly and um <laughs> i mean yeah you'll do something terrible. i'll do something and i'll misjudge it and yeah. everyone will hate me i'm sure of it yeah but, but just enjoy this time while it's going well yeah, for the moment but, you know that's sort of the trajectory of everyone eventually isn't it, <laughs> it is. so it is. but it's not if it is a prank and then there's some things in this that you know they're almost a prank but they're that but it's also a nice it's a pleasant prank so it's a it's a prank where it's you know a lot of the YouTube stuff would be ah look at that idiot or that balls of steel thing the Channel Four show where yeah just innocent people would and end I, up having dog shit on them and you go exactly, what, what's the joke yeah. in this yeah. you prank people but in a way that's that's nice if they're good and and well, they I deserve it yeah if it's, if I don't like a prank show I remember no. is it balls of steel yeah which is hosted by Mark Mark Dolan who's turned Dolan. out to be a nice fellow. It was so strange, Mark Taylor. I used to gig with Mark Taylor loads, and he was always very affable and charming and very sort of um, foppish. Yep. And um, he seems to be cross about something, and I'd like to... I haven't seen him since he's got cross, and I want to give him a hug and say, is everything all right, Mark? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, I didn't Saying like your right wing of... is a great career move. That's the thing. That's what you've got to realise. Yeah, it has worked out well for him. Um, good luck to him, I'd say. Good luck to him. He's good luck. Um, yeah, um... I don't know what the question was. was. Balls, you were talking about balls of steel before you were... Yeah, to, yeah, I didn't like lots of elements of that sort of thing. I can't remember the specifics of balls of steel. I actually quite enjoyed balls of steel, I think, if I remember rightly, because it was... They were like, oh, at the end of it. It wasn't like, what? But I don't like a prank for prank's sake a lot of the time because no. the target is normally, as you say, just someone in the uh, in the public who's doesn't just, just getting about their day. Yeah, really. and, but you can do it. There's, I keep on forgetting the name of the comedian that did uh, this, is it the film called Road Trip or something. Eric. Eric Andre. Eric Andre. Oh, it's absolutely. Great. It's like a prank show yeah. film, but but people come out of it well because he's being, you know, yeah. he's doing stupid things and people yeah, are he's lunatic, stepping in to help he, yeah. him. I love Eric it's Andre. Brilliant. His yeah. show is. Uh, the, <laughs> I remember the, one of the very early episodes of the Eric Andre show where he he has his guest is Russell Brand, right. and it's just just this bloke who hasn't got any clothes on with mad hair, and he comes out and a dove just sort of flies out with him, and it's so not <laughs> Russell Brand, but is completely Russell Brand at the same time. <laughs> it's very awkward, and yeah, you kind of need to see it to kind of fully get it, really. But um, I love Eric Andre. Yeah. Let me ask you an emergency question. I've oh, got is, a new are we emer- there? No, it's we're not. I well, just we've done quite well. We're, we're doing. We've done. We're, we, you know, there's more to talk to you about. But I feel, you know, we should. You know, are these new ones? I'm going to give you one from today. If you're listening to my opening monologue, do you have any clear childhood memories that simply can't be true? My one was that I saw Saturn the size of the moon in the sky, and that my sister had blue blood. Do you have anything like that that you definitely remember as? I. Well, and no, I'm not. I think it could be true. Right, I'm fairly sure I shook Jeremy Beadle's withered hand. <laughs> I mean, that could be I'm, true. I'm fairly, sure. <laughs> I'm fairly sure it's true, but it sounds like it's not true. Yeah. But my dad used to coach basketball. Used to coach coach the Birmingham Bullets okay. team, and um, uh, they. 
when ba- basketball was quite big for a certain period in the 90s, I believe. And so they had, you know, did it in NIA in Birmingham. And so they would pay some money to... I think Jeremy Kyle turned up because he was a local celeb. Right. And um, before he became a national celeb. And um, <laughs> Jeremy Beadle came in and he was running along the audience. And I'm fairly sure I shook his hand <laughs> as he ran past... I'm just imagining him playing basketball. Prove I'm lying. I'm just, just imagining him turning up to play basketball. But he had one hand that was all right, so was, he could have played basketball. Oh, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? It is weird. It's the 90s. It was the 90s a different Jeremy Beadle played basketball back then. That's what happened. Um, if you could go into a chrysalis like a caterpillar and dissolve and then come out as anything that you wanted, what would you emerge from the chrysalis as, Joe Lysett? Anything. You can come out as anything. You can change into anything you want. Stuart Lee. So, <laughs> it's, it's a big downgrade, Joe. It's a big downgrade. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Caught the old prick out there, didn't I? <laughs> Lime. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Oh, now I've created a Rahulastapur thing. Rahulastapur thing. <laughs> we'll do it, we'll do it. For... It will ruin it if you shout that whenever I get someone in a serious oh, no. thing. And there's a pause, Joe Lysett's crying, you go, Line, it would have yeah, been fucking yeah. brilliant if you'd done it. it if you'd so done it then, good. you'd have been my hero. Yeah, and you have to explain <laughs> it. Oh, I love that. Please, the regulars, you have to. <laughs> You've ruined, ruined the whole thing. Um, okay. Uh, uh, this, is what I've, this is what's come up on the page. I don't, I'm not sure I've asked this one before. If you had to have sex with a TV or film snowman or woman... <laughs> oh. If you had to... <laughs> if I had to. Which, which famous snowman or woman... Would you have sex with, and how would you guard against genital frostbite? How many are there? Isn't there just the snowman? There's just the snowman, isn't there? There's the snowman. There's Frosty the Snowman. Oh, yeah. There's... Oh, is that like evil one in one of the horror films, isn't there? Yeah. Jack Frost is Jack sort of a Frost, sort of he's snowman. like an evil one. Um, I'm a bit into that sort of, like, slightly kinky stuff, actually. Yeah. So let's go with Jack Frost. <laughs> okay. Like, he'd be into, like... <laughs> making me a bit, you know... Cold, he'd yeah, like it, wouldn't he? Would like it. I've got, a, see, I've got a thing for Pretty Patel for that reason. Yeah, well, I've, got, I've got, I do, and and Suella Braverman. Then mm. I went off her when she got sacked, and then I went back into her again yeah, when she. When so it's, it's, it's only it's when, when they're, they're in power. power. Yeah, um, on and off like a switch. No, but not Liz Truss. No, no. not Liz Truss. Strangely, not Liz Truss. No. Um, my mind's just whirring with. Suella thoughts. Lie. Jack Frost. Jack Frost. And what would I do to make sure Prevent my you didn't, didn't fall off? Yeah, it didn't get frostbite of the genitals. I'm not sure. It wouldn't take me that long. <laughs> it's been a think, while. Do you think? I don't. I can't work out if having sex with snow would that be lubricated or non-lubricated. I think you get. There's a danger of getting stuck inside, like you get a lollipop stuck on your tongue, isn't there? No, I don't think you there could is. Be, you could, you'd be walking around with a snowman think, oh, on shit, your cock. Actually, yeah, if it's really cold. Yeah, just... Ooh. So you think, I'll just fuck this snowman, and then there's yeah. no way of hiding that, is there? Once, no. once you've got to walk down the road, you could yeah. say, I'm just carrying this snowman. 
But then, you know, I'd ring Adam Kay, I'd say, chapter <laughs> one, baby. <laughs> Get yourself a new book, Adam. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'd do. Yeah. I'd maybe take a cup of tea with me, <laughs> which I always do for lovemaking. <laughs> Make sure there's a fresh brew. That's, sort of, but that's killing your love. You'd have to kill your lover in order to... I mean, that's like a oh, praying mantis thing. That's so sad, isn't it? But it's sort I'd, of what happens I'd at the end of the Jack snowman. Frost to death. That's yeah. <laughs> what happens at the end of the snowman. At the end of the snowman, I was watching it again recently. But how does Do the I snowman... fuck him to death at the end of the, the snowman? Well, how does the snowman melt? Because snowman, if, if when the snow melts, the snow goes first and the snowmen last the longest. Oh, at the yeah. end of the snowman, all the snow is still there, but the snowman has just disappeared. So yeah. someone has fucked him to death. I think the guy, the, the snowman on the motorcycle, there's a snowman on a motorcycle. That one can't last long, right? Can it? Yeah. Who do you think fucked the snowman to death? I think it was David Bowie's fuck the case. It's that little boy's David Bowie, remember? I was going to say David Badil. <laughs> David Badil fucked the snowman to death. And that's the story I'm going to tell him. <laughs> tell him that. All the future that. kids that watch it. All right, one more. This might. This. This is. Yeah. This is a. This is a risk. This one. As the. This is a new one. As a child, I worried about doing stuff like picking my nose and playing with myself in case I was to grow up to be a hugely important figure. Um, time traveling tourists might come back to see my childhood. Oh, oh no! And then disrespect me because yeah, of the way yeah. I'd behaved. What was the most ridiculous narcissistic thing you believed of yourself as a child? <laughs> Were you, the, were you the kind of guy who thought you might be Jesus or something like that? Or did you no. Because you seem like a confident fellow. Are you trying to say I'm a narcissist? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I mean, many comedians are. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it, what we're doing? Um, I don't think so. No. The worst thing I did is I got very angry um, about my... I think it was my next-door neighbour had said something to me, like a, a similar age, said something to me, and I was really cross about that. And I went into my room and I ripped up a book... And I went downstairs, and, I, and it was a beautiful pop-up book about Tutankhamun, and it had all these lovely things, and I just pulled it all out. And I went downstairs, and I said to Mum, I ripped up a book. And she went, go to your room. And I, I was mortified. And then I spent weeks paying it off to buy a new copy of the book. But that was, like, a real moment of, like, yeah. whoa. Like, I'm capable of madness. <laughs> <laughs> So, look, there, I mean, there's still loads of stuff we haven't talked about, and we've, we've got a little bit more time. Um, I mean, we haven't mentioned uh, the Hugo Boss thing, which maybe we, we don't need to talk about. You're not Hugo Boss anymore, though. No, but they still owe that company some money. Right. So, who knows? Right. I'm, I'm the artist formerly known as Hugo Boss. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, after I changed my name back, I felt like I should have kept it, because it would have been funnier to stay Hugo Boss to death. <laughs> But actually, I think I wouldn't have been able to do... It would have clouded other stuff, and actually, uh, I wouldn't have... I, they wouldn't have put me on the Laura Koonsberg show if I was called Hugo <laughs> Boss. So there's lots of things there's I wouldn't have been able things. to do. So I, I'm actually glad that I've kind of... I, they're never going to do the right thing, so I'll no. have to let that one go. Um, I mean, it would have maybe affected the joke you do that you did with your posters for this show. So you, you, you had a poster... Tubes poster one oh, yeah. up in the tubes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With your name... Yeah, it had my name and then James Acaster's image for a long time. Yeah. And then Joe Pasquale for a little while. Um, yeah, I just thought it'd be funny to... Yeah. I just thought it'd be funny. Did, pe- did people turn up expecting James Acaster? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think people, no, uh, I think people sort of got it. Yeah. I hope they didn't. 
But actually, I hope they did. Actually, that's funny, isn't it? It's funny if they came for him. But he, uh, both him and Pasquale had to give approval for that, and they both thought it was funny, so it was right. fine. It wasn't done without their permission. Because I thought it'd be funny to have, like, a series of them where it's, like, gets sort of more and more... I thought, like, it'd be funny to have African dictators. <laughs> you know, Joe Lysett live, and then there's, like, you know, Mugabe or something. It'd be great. <laughs> but apparently you'd have to ask Mugabe. <laughs> We might say no. Well, you're also, as we're recording this, you're in the middle of a of another uh, big sort of st- yeah. stunt involving uh, the the World Cup. Yeah. Yes. I'm. Uh, I announced yesterday. So this is Monday. What is it? The fourteenth. The fourteenth. Um, I announced yesterday, and this is something I've been working on for ages. Because again, I've been cross about this since I heard about it, which is months and months ago, um, uh, about the Qatar World Cup, which loads of people across about and basically everyone including Seth Blatter has said this shouldn't be happening <laughs> like, and he was, he oversaw the fucking thing um, it's uh, mad, it's crackers that it's happening there and uh, I've been thinking of, for a long time about how do I make using the profile that I have which I would describe as mid-tier British comedian. Um, <laughs> as uh, how would I, how do I use that? And this is obviously I've, LGBT rights is something I've campaigned about in various ways and talk about in my stand-up and everything for basically my entire life. So it's like the thing. It's my Achilles heel. Like if you go for that, I will do everything I can. And uh, I realised that Qatar don't give a shit about me. If I was in the country, they they'd probably just like if I did anything they'd tell me off and deport me but there was at one point there was an idea of me going and doing a pride march there and trying to like really ruffle their feathers and I was up for it but it became clear that they probably wouldn't jail me because they're trying to keep their kind of uh, their image relatively clean but what they do is make an example of any local that helped me or any so that became a night I just couldn't wouldn't be able to live with myself if there was someone jailed or killed as a result of a stunt that I'd done and so it just forced me to think a bit more sort of laterally around how do you get at them and then Beckham really kind of sadly because I I consider him to be a gay icon he was before anyone else he did a shoot with Attitude magazine a cover shoot which no footballer was doing and not really since there's not many footballers who have confidently gone I love my gay fans I'll do shoots with gay magazines it doesn't really happen Mm -hmm. even now it was a really bold and brilliant thing that he did there and uh and it's really impressive to do that and 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 uh, great and he did all of that and then now he's taking an alleged 10 million and I, I I I gather it's a lot more, but I mean, in the in the release that I put out and the statement I gave out, I said ten to be conservative, but I think it's probably way more. I kind of know it is, and uh, to promote Qatar now, it's illegal to be gay there, and the the ultimate penalty there is death. And aside from the way the state treats you, uh, I did an interview with the first openly gay Qatari a few days ago, and uh, they were telling me that basically your if you come out, the society around you will try and get rid of you, even if the state doesn't. It's incredibly dangerous to be gay there. Yeah. And for him, with his influence and the history that he has, uh, to say, come to Qatar, it's wonderful, it's brilliant. How fucking dare he? How dare he do that when he is 
profited off the back of the queer community, really cross about that. But also I realised I could use him because I think there's good in him because he, I think he knows what the right and wrong thing is because he's behaved in right and wrong and he wants to trade on that. Yeah. And I think there's a chance I can get him and I think there's a chance he will change his mind. I think it's a low chance, <laughs> but I think there's a chance he'll do the right thing. And if he does, if, even if he just makes a nod to saying something about the rights of... He's not done any of that. He's not said anything publicly at all about it. That will have an effect. It will, because he's so influential. He's so regarded. And uh, if I can push... That's the only thing I can do. If I can push a bit of that, then that's the only way I can affect change. That's how I felt. It's like, that's the most power I've got, is to go through his power, essentially. Yeah, it's a good... good I have no idea what he'll do. And then, obviously, to get it in the press, to get pressure... I had to do something bold. And originally the idea was to make a beautiful statue and I was working with this sculptor and I was working on this brilliant statue and then somebody said, you know James Corden's on a sketch about a statue of David Becker? And I was like, oh, fucking Corden again. <laughs> Fuck! And so, like, got done so much research on the statue and done all that stuff. And then actually I was so glad that that sort of fell by the wayside because the statue would have been a nice thing but it wouldn't have had the power of the money. And actually the money is really captured people and they've they've it, it's a talking point today yeah. people have been talking about it and obviously influenced by the klf when they burnt a million quid and all of that that like that captures people there's something about destroying money that and i feel it and i really don't want to do it but i've bought the shredder i've got it it's all <laughs> set up i know how i'm going to do it i've got it all set up and next sunday if he doesn't it's happening yeah it's really, I mean, it's, it's a bold thing to do and it's a very interesting thing to do, but I think also into the mood about it, it seems to me like you say to people the World Cup's starting at the weekend and they go, what? <laughs> you know, it's sort of, yeah. it's sort of passed people by somehow, yes. maybe because it's a different time of year, or, but just it, usually there seems to be like a huge build-up to it yeah. and there feels this sort of embarrassment around it and there's a lot of feeling, uh, whether that will change... If it starts going... Once and it goes... Once it's be, going, yeah. people will get behind it, I'm sure, but... But, but if one team pulled out, yeah. you'd have a domino effect, I think. Yeah. And if you have someone like Beckham say, uh, if he pulled out, it'd be amazing, because you'd have everyone else just go, oh, no, 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 like, it'd be toxic immediately. Yeah. And he's got that power, he could do it. I mean, he'd be locked in some contract somewhere, but he would have so much backing, it would be ridiculous. I don't... I, I, it seems so strange to me that he's done this. I don't understand why he's done this. Because it's so contrary to everything else he's done in his career. I don't know if they've got something on him or... Well, again, it's the same thing where you think how much... You know, David Beckham is doing okay for money. So, yeah, like, to, you know, if it like was... 400 and something million <laughs> yeah. if you Google it. So, ten, I mean, ten, 10 million a year or whatever it might be is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, he might be saying, I'm going to... If he said, I'll give it all to gay rights, would that... Would that make it all right i don't know i mean it would be something i suppose it'd but be it's... something well it'd be a, it would be a statement of some sort yeah at the minute the only statement he says is come to qatar they've got lovely spice markets <laughs> <laughs> well we know you like a spice market right? <laughs> <laughs> it's choosing is... which one to inseminate <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting and i think you know there was the, the uh, commentator What's his name? The quite left Gary Neville, is it? The, yeah, the quite Bizarre. left. Bizarre. Why is he doing it? Yeah, he's been so brilliant politically recently. He's been so full of beans about it. Why take the money? I don't. I really don't get it. There's yeah. so many things that Gary Neville could get money for. 
And you could, he can, see, I have no issue with people going over and doing the games in lots of ways because there's lots of football players there. I mean, I'm not a huge football fan. I, I, it doesn't affect me at all. I don't care. But I understand that football is a huge part of lots of people's lives. And it's a, if you're a footballer and it's your one chance to play the World Cup and you've got to make a decision between that and you know, it's not fair on them. Do it. I, you know, I, just, I don't care. Like, I, I, I did a gig in Qatar. I didn't know the rights at that point. I knew that I wasn't probably meant to be there but i've been there i've been to dubai i've been to all these places i don't you know fine it's when you're in a position like beckham's in and you've got that power and fifa have got that power and all these different institutions yeah. and they're doing this objectively wrong thing of like uh, of showing that this is cool and this is okay and i'd like to see some of beckham's gay friends public gay friends talk about it it's weird that they're not as well it's we- there's so many people that he's had photos with who are gay who he's friends yeah. with and that helps his brand and all that and are they happy to go like yeah great <laughs> are you happy with that i'm not yeah. I, I don't understand why you would be yeah i don't know i think it might just be like they haven't thought about it they have you know and and it's all suddenly happened and i yeah. think there will be this There'll be at least there's already a little backlash. There's already this backlash, and you know I think there might be a, a, what what's going on. So they may reconsider, and it, and I think well, you know, again it's this you're just this grit in the machine, you know, and it's and it's sometimes it's very funny, and sometimes it's more serious. Yeah. Sometimes there's shit coming out of your mouth. Sometimes uh, there's shit coming out of your mouth. <laughs> like, yeah, and like, you know, and who knows what the the effect will be? Um, because I appreciate that what I'm going to do, or I hope I don't have to do, but I, I appreciate what I'm going to do is bold and um will piss a lot of people off yeah but i'm i'm at that point now where i'm i'm so angry about it i don't care you know well it's it's it's, it's really great stuff Joe. <laughs> line uh so no one did it they left they missed their chance <laughs> Can ruin the whole podcast forever. Um, what's, com- what's coming up, Joe? We're going to have to let you go in a sec. Uh, but so what, what, are we, what can we expect from you beyond the World Cup? Uh, so just filmed a Christmas special of Travel Man uh, in Rio, mm. which I loved. <laughs> and then a new series of that in the new year. And then touring Australia and New Zealand and some other projects that I don't think I can talk about. Um, some art stuff that I've done, which I'm really excited about. Um, like I've, I've made an art book essentially like a coffee table book oh terrific and i'm really excited about that great and, um yeah so lots of i mean it's all going there. fantastically well and deservedly so joe well, so bless you. i'm having well, a lovely time and good. the pinnacle is to be on uh, of, of course it is <laughs> of course it is and i look forward to getting cancelled when you fuck something up <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> the amazing joe thank lyson you, thank you very much thank you cheers bless you, bless you, bless thank you very much You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Joe Lysett. Thank you to Scant Regard, who performed this music for us. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you to Chris Evans, not that one, and all the tiny children Evans that he brings with him, like the Pied Piper of Cardiff. Uh, thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for having us here. It's been quite good. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Tell your friends to listen to some of these. And why not listen to another one? If you liked it, listen to another one. If you didn't like it, come on, give it a chance. Listen to another one. You might like it if you listen to another one. And then another one. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.